I want to take this first session to bash marriage a little bit, and, and not in a negative way. I mean, I'm very happily married for 12 years, right? And after married with Jenny and having two kids, I, I'm very happy in where we are in life, what we have, what we don't have, and just the seasons that we go through. It brings a tremendous amount of joy and peace. And with all of that, I, I want to say in this first title of this session that marriage isn't everything. Marriage isn't everything. And I think in our culture today, we, some are on the fence with this. Now, some people never want to get married because they don't know mar happily married people, right? And other people, they spend their entire lives thinking about when they can get married, right? And after getting married, their entire life is consumed by their marriage. And so it's an interesting thing to say that marriage isn't everything, because especially in our culture, uh, we're pushed towards that it is the pinnacle of relationships and all relationships. And if you're single, you should be thinking about getting married. And, you know, if you're married, you should be thinking about having children. And it seems to be that married with kids is that perfect kind of unit. That that's what we're looking for. That's what we want. We want that partridge family. We want that family that looks like the postcard that you can send the Christmas card to with the picture of the family to say, this is from our family to yours. Merry Christmas. But marriage isn't everything in the Bible. And if we were to go back to where Jesus, His apostles, and the apostle Paul taught, we're given a, a kind of a, a wake-up call to what marriage is. And for the married folks, I hope you can remain happily married if you're dating. I hope you can maybe dream of getting married if you're single. If that's in the picture for you, great. If not, great. But I hope today to kind of expand it a little bit. Maybe these will be things that you've already known, but I hope to reinforce that today. And so in 1 Corinthians, we're going to read three chunks of this chapter, okay? So we'll start from verse 1, and so we're going to read verse 1 through 9, 20 to 24, and 32 to 35. And so 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is, a, it is, a, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, and so the Corinthians, they're writing to Paul, right? And they believe that if you're spiritual, you shouldn't have these sexual type relationships, even in marriage. And so they're writing to Paul, is it not good for a man to touch a woman? That's what they're asking. And Paul is responding to this question. Okay? Concerning the things which you wrote, is it not good for a man to touch a woman? This is what Paul says. But because of immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. That, of course, is talking about sexual duties, okay? The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again, lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say by the way of concession, not of command. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. And Paul was single. That's what he's talking about. Verse 9. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn, right? Than to burn. And you all know what that burning is, right? Verse 20. 
let each man remain in that condition in which he was called. When you were called while a, were you called while a slave? Uh, do not worry about it, but if you are able also to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves to men. Brethren, let each man remain with God in that condition in which he was called. Now concerning virgins, and he goes on, but we'll pick up the reading in verse 22. 32, sorry. But I want uh, you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Now this I say for your own benefit, not to to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is seemly and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Amen. We'll stop there. Now, just from your reading or reading through, as I read, do you think Paul is speaking positively or negatively about marriage? How many of you would say positively? How many of you would say negatively? You're not bold enough to make a decision? Okay. Honestly, don't know? Yeah, okay. Now, this passage brings us through this entire kind of story of relationships. And he's talking about you know, married couples, how you shouldn't deprive one another. Then he goes into the virgins. Then he goes into stay in the condition. Talks about slaves and free men and all of this stuff. And in the end, he caps it off by saying that what we want is undistracted devotion to the Lord. Over the course of this first talk, I'm going to highlight some main things that, that are in your booklet. The first thing that I want to talk about is this, that we were created to enjoy Christ, right? If you come from a Reformed tradition and you know the catechisms and that the chief end of man is to glorify God, right? That why all of us were created, married, single, in whatever stage or life or age we are, we were created to enjoy Christ. That this is the, the primary and apex of everything, right? And how many of you know Francis Chan, right? And his wife Lisa. You know, I, I think they're a fabulous couple. Um, they, uh, uh, just how they kind of just interact, uh, not only with one another and their family, they have a huge family. They got, you know, children and adopted kids. Uh, Francis Chan, he had a church in Simi Valley years ago, grew it, and just he was going through some internal stuff. He ended up leaving that church to start a different type of ministry. And uh, a part of what's on their heart in ministry is married folks or, or couples and families and what that means and also to singles in regards to this, uh, this particular um, idea of marriage. And uh, he was asked, you know, what's the greatest problem in typical Christian marriages. He was asked this in a Gospel Coalition interview. And this was his response, and I think it's quite intriguing. He says, uh, the, the greatest problem in typical Christian marriage is forgetting the whole point of their existence. And he goes into this idea is that many singles fervently serve God until their marriage day. 
Now, I don't know if the married folks could have attested to that, that your level of service to God or devotion or passion, however you want to call it, whether you want to quantify that by hours or by time in prayer or by offering, however you want to quantify passion, devotion, and service to God. If you were to kind of grade yourself pre-marriage, post-marriage, what happened to that? Where, where were uh, uh, the thoughts? Where, where did you want to spend your time? How did you want to spend your money? Where was that thought life? Right? And what he's saying is that the greatest problem in the typical Christian marriage is that we fervently serve God until our marriage day. And then one of two things happens, he says, right? Or at least he observed. Number one, they enjoy each other so much that they spend almost all their time entertaining each other rather than serving God. And so they're so kind of engrossed in one another. Oh, I love you. And let's go on a date. Let's do that. And they spend all of their time enjoying one another that serving God had become a secondary issue. And secondly, he says, another extreme can happen, that they struggle in their relationship, in their marriage relationship, and spend their days arguing, going to counseling, feeling disqualified from serving God. And in either case, whether you're totally enjoying one another or you're struggling, in either case, you're distracted in your service to God, is what he observed. Right? And I think that's an interesting observation. Right? And so uh, we, we think that uh, the, the marriage life and coming together as a husband and wife is such a pinnacle relationship in the Christian faith. And it is, right? That God created man and woman because we were created for this type of fellowship. And we believe that a, that a marriage union is like the, the union of Christ in the church. And it's such a beautiful thing, right? And when we see the typical Christian serve God in their single life and suddenly upon getting married be so involved with the day-to-day -day duties of married life or then be distracted by it that we are no longer serving God that we've forgotten why we exist in the first place that we we weren't created to get married you know to have a husband or to have children that's not the point of why God placed us on the earth that it is through the husband and wife and the family and the children that we might have that there is a greater purpose to our existence. And these are, are parts of that, good parts, albeit. But they're not the pinnacle. That there is a greater experience and enjoyment to be had. The Bible is clear when it says that all things are by Christ and for Christ. And that's saying He's the beginning and the end. That, that, that He started our life and He will be at the end. And all things will point to Him. And Paul is clearly talking uh, about certain things that, that our life, whether single or married, forget about wanting to be in a different condition. If you're a slave, always wanting to be free. You know, that, that the only thing you exist for, what you think about the moment you wake up is, I want to be free. I want to be free, right? And you believe that when I finally become free, that my life will be so much better. And we wait for that later stage of freedom because now we feel like a slave. And Paul is saying, if you're a slave, don't worry about it. Stay in the condition you are. If you can become free, great. If you remain a slave, Remain a slave, but your existence is not in a slave or a free man. It is to glorify God. If you're free, you are a slave to Christ. If you are a slave, you are free in Christ, he says. And he correlates that to the single, thinking, wait a minute, uh, I, I want to be like, it's the slave. I'll, I'll be so much better off when I get to that stage. And we get married. Uh, my life will be so much better when we have children and we have this family. And we're always looking to a different condition or a future stage. 
And something can happen if this takes root, uh, where you read in the Bible about idolatry, right? That these idols of Baal or, or Ashtaroth, right? And marriage can be this little tiny idol on our mantle of our heart. That this is what we have come to worship or want so much. Like we're just desiring it. Like we're always looking for it. And before I think about in my day how I can serve God today, we're thinking about other things that have, that have usurped it, dethroned that type of mindset. I think it's natural, right? And I don't want to bash it to the degree to say, you know what, you should never think about marriage because that's not the case. I hope you can. I hope you can think about all of the great different stages of life. But what I, I, I want to set in today is that there's something greater, right? That I spend so much time thinking about whatever. Like sometimes married people want to then be single. You have children, you don't want to be a parent anymore, right? We're always thinking about when I can be happiest the most. And we're waiting for that. I think the conversation doesn't help a lot, right? When you, when you meet somebody that's really way out of college, right? They're like upper 20s, 30s and beyond, right? You, you meet, so you have kind of like two categories of questions. The first question, what do you do, right? That you ask everybody. And the second quest, category of questions is, are you married? Do you have any kids? And somehow we've dwindled down the existence of people to two things, what you do and do you have a family, right? And we're so pressured to think that we need to have the best career, make good money, and be on a fast track to this great ladder of success, and we need to have a great family, and this is how I show people that I'm put together, well-made, that I can brag about something, that I can be proud of my life. Because this is how conversations tend to go. So I, I don't blame us in thinking that way, but the Bible, as we read it, is trying to rip us back. He's trying to say, I know your career and all of these other things and marriage and family and children, that's all important. But beyond that, there's something even more important. I want you to come back to the central reason for your existence. Undistracted devotion to Christ. As a Christian, if you're single, do you think about how can I have more undistracted devotion to Christ? Do you think about that more or... When will I get here? Wanting this, either a relationship or a different stage. And Paul is bringing us back and he's saying, okay, you have conditions and I'll acknowledge that. If you're going to burn, get married. If you can remain single, stay single. But stop fixating on your stage in life, place in life, and start thinking, how from this place can I best utilize it to serve Christ? I think that's a reality check. I mean, not just, I'm not trying to say just for the single, don't stop thinking about getting married and you need to think about worshiping uh, and devoting your life to Christ. I say that to myself, to the married folks, to the people with kids. Because I, I feel, uh, quite honestly, if I were to grade myself pre-marriage and then pre-parenting, that there, I mean, my thought life is consumed by stuff. I mean, my days, my hours, I, I mean, uh, what I spent serving the church pre-marriage differed post-marriage, differed pre-children, post-children, right? And I, I, I need to, be, uh, to listen to that as much as anybody to know that in this stage, stop thinking about when the kids are going to get older and more 
self-reliant. Stop thinking about when you get to this place and things are going to be getting easier. From this place, from this stage, exactly where I'm at, think about how I can secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. It's something that I need to hear. We need to hear that at all stages of life. And so we were created to enjoy Christ. And another thing that I'll say is this, that the goal of marriage isn't happiness. And I, I think we can get confused on this, right? That we marry the person we would be happiest with, right? And, and it doesn't last all that long sometimes, right? But two people can get married and have such a happy marriage, right? I mean, just everything about them is in sync. And you can have a happy and worthless from an eternal perspective marriage that two people can be so engrossed in one another that they have forgotten to think about the great commission they've forgotten to think about these other things and we try to move to the neighborhoods and have the tracks in life that bring greatest happiness and Christ wants us happy, of course. I mean, Jesus says, I want to give you life to the fullest. Have it to the fullest. But we must not think that this happiness is, is the goal of marriage. But I'm going to speak a lot more on that tomorrow. The third thing is marriage is not forever. The Bible, you can write this reference down, Matthew 20, 22, verse 30. Matthew chapter 22, verse 30. It's clear. The Bible says we're not going to be married in heaven. <laughs> All right? Um, when I get to heaven, uh, Jenny's not going to be my wife. I mean, as sad as that is, I'm not going to have a wife in heaven. I mean, the Bible says in the resurrection there is no marriage. We're not given in marriage. And we are like angels, Jesus teaches. Okay? And so often we... we we think that this is this, of course, eternal relationship, forever relationship, but in heaven there is no marriage. And so we need to kind of keep that in perspective. That The thing is, I mean, at first when I thought about that verse, I thought it was kind of sad, <laughs> especially when I first got married. It was so sad thinking, you know, that in heaven we're not, we don't, we're not married or given in marriage. But the more you think about that, when we are fixated or experiencing something so great, we're not even going to be thinking about marriage. We're not going to be thinking about what we left behind, the house or the car or the money. We're not thinking about those things because we're in a place that we're so fixated on something so much greater. And that's what the Bible's constantly pointing towards. Right? If I miss that, I think we miss what God really intended for marriage. Right? So marriage is a part of our lives and a meaningful part, but it's there and should be there so that we are less tempted, so that we can better leverage our lives to serve God. That it's not the be-all and end-all of why we exist and what we should want. And I hope we can get that whether you're single or married, dating or not. Christianity is more than a belief system that helps us build good families. I, I know, you know, I, 
I'm absolutely four strong families. I mean, uh, my handle, I, I changed it, right? Like on Instagram, it's rooting for family. I, I, I want the family to be so strong. Not only am I rooting for you, I, I want there to be strong roots for families. I want it to grow. I want it to be Christ-like. I want parenting and husbandry and wife, that relationship. I, I want it to exemplify what Christ always wanted. And the marriage should be good. The family should be good. But I, I think often we think a good Christian is just a good husband and father, a good wife and mother. That, oh, you run your family well, you're a good Christian. Right? I think too often we, we fall into, and I'll say it, error. That being a good husband, wife, father, mother is a part of being a good Christian. But too often we allow that to rise to the top to say this is the epitome of what it means to be a Christian. And we reduce Christianity to a system and a religious structure that is designed to build healthy families. We quote scriptures like, train up a child in the way that he or she should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. We talk about the role of Christ in the church and husband and wife. And we talk about all of that wonderful things. And we want to point people towards a happily forever marriage till death do them part. And that's a great thing. But we must not reduce Christianity to that end because it's so much more. It takes that into account, but it's merely a part of what Christianity is about. That there is a greater pinnacle, and that was from the beginning, that all of us were created to enjoy Christ most. We call partners, spouses, our significant other, our boyfriend or our girlfriend that. But the most significant partner in our lives must always be and never ever be dethroned. It must be Christ. That the most significant relationship that I have is me with Christ. That the Bible centers on marriage with Jesus. Because He's the bridegroom it talks about. And the church is His bride. And in that analogy of marriage with Jesus, that earthly marriage is simply a shadow of it. That you have, I mean, you don't have a lot of light here, right? But you get the idea that you have a person and they cast a shadow. It resembles it. It offers the same shape. The same ideas and little, little nuances. And that's the shadow. It's merely a, a, a dark spot that is cast of the image of the person. And that's exactly an earthly marriage. It's just a shadow of the real thing. Of the marriage with Christ and the shadow that it casts is the earthly marriage. If uh, you're dating... If you're married, um, and if you're not dating, and if you do date down the line, um, can I say this? From the very beginning, if you can, and as early as you can catch it, that every couple needs to have a gospel conversation. Um, when you know, I started in ministry real early, right, like 19. And um, so I've been in the church all, you know, all my adult life um, in leadership. And, um, you know, Jenny and I, we were, we were set up on a blind date and uh, um, through a pastor friend. And, you know, 
uh, the, the, he tried to set me up for an entire year, and I said, no, I didn't want to meet her. Not because I didn't, I, I didn't even know who she was, right? I, I, I didn't know any. She, all I knew is she was from the camp. <laughs> that was kind of, at that moment, as an Ian passed, like from the English side, that was reason enough to kind of say no, right? And um, he was quite persistent uh, over the course of a year, and we kind of had, we were neighbors office-wise. And, you know, at the end of it, I was like, okay, um, are you, you think we would be a good match? And he's like, yeah. He was so confident, right? And uh, then I said, okay, uh, all right, we'll meet once. Okay, you can leave it there, son. Uh, see, when you have kids, this is interruptions. This is right. Practical example. Thanks, son. You know, I paid him five dollars to do that. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I just said, you know, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, we'll kind of go our separate ways, type thing. And I still remember, you know, um, when we had met, May seventeenth, um, two thousand and four at Islands in Fullerton, Amherst Heights, and uh, 5 o'clock, right? She came at 5.05, <laughs> late. Uh, she was wearing gray pants and a white shirt. And uh, I, I remember that day vividly. Um, it was the first day of a three-week fast for me, you know. Um, with, I was a youth pastor at the time, and with the leaders, we had uh, decided to do a three-week progressive Daniel fast, where uh, the first week we just eat, eat vegetables, Second week, juice. Third week, water. And for three weeks, we did that. And we were to start Monday, right? And that was the, our first date. And so we're meeting at Islands, and I order a dry salad, right? And I'm thinking, she's, she's thinking I'm crazy for, like, I didn't order any food, right? And, you know, we had talked o over dinner. Uh, the pastor and another uh, person who joined us for dinner decided to step, uh, step out early. And so we spent uh, the rest of the time kind of talking. We stopped by the Starbucks just, uh, you know, uh, right across the way and we ended up talking a little bit more and by the end of our first date I, I was intrigued um, I didn't know much but I knew enough type thing and I was intrigued and so we're walking to her car I'm walking her there and she had a red Civic at the time and by the time we get there I asked her you know can I call you right and I then I asked her for a number she gave me her number and so now I'm playing this game when do I call her right you know like, <laughs> And so I decided I'm not going to call her on Tuesday or Wednesday. And I decided to call her. I called her on Friday. And we arranged to meet the following Monday. And this is all that I said on Friday, right? I said, um, uh, we'll meet at church, and, uh, which was in Fullerton. And all I said is, wear comfortable shoes. That's all I said. Just, we'll meet there. And we designated a time, wear comfortable shoes. And we said, oh, she was fine. Da, 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 da. Everything was okay. She comes to church. She comes out of her car. And the first thing that I look at is, guess where? She's wearing heels because <laughs> I had decided I wanted to take her to California Adventure and not just because I'm the fun-loving guy because I was smart right guys take note okay right on a second date it can get awkward real fast right and so I decided I don't want to be sitting at a table facing each other if we're talking I'd rather be sitting on a bench looking at stuff much busier right easier to have a natural conversation when there's other stuff to look at to do in a sense kind of fixate on where we're not looking at each other and so that was my entire intention to take her to California Adventure and they had the Aladdin musical there which is great by the way they don't have it anymore and so uh, we end up going there and at the downtown Disney I walked in a shop and I bought her some flip-flops at least you know and uh, apparently in Korean culture if you buy shoes for somebody it's designated bad 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 because you end up walking away Apparently, right? 
And so she received that gift with hesitancy, but she nonetheless wore the shoes. Uh, and when we were at California Adventure, um, in my mind, uh, I'm thinking that I'm a pastor at the church. I don't want to date for a long time if it's not going to go anywhere. I don't want to create opportunities for gossip or stumbling and all this other stuff. And so right away out of the gate, like the, we're barely there for like 30 minutes. And I think we're sitting down somewhere. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was too forward of me, right? I said, you know, in the end, if you, uh, when you get married... Could you ever see yourself in the mission field, I asked her. Because this, in my mind, was a question that really kind of cut real deep, real fast. It was a question of, is this where you want to live, and this is only what you want, and this is the greatest thing? And what I really wanted to know, in my mind, was, are you willing to go to a place if God called us somewhere? And I remember her response. She was, you know, um, very adamant that quickly said yes. And, you know, uh, there was a lot of things about her that really struck me. The peace that she had. She, I felt like she was a bridge maker. She was really good with people um, and, and a lot of things. And, uh, but that gospel conversation, at least in my mind, that was what it was. It was such an important kind of marker. It was an important thing for me to think about and to gauge not her commitment to Christ, but at least where I thought our relationship could go. And I think that's important for every married couple, dating couple, and to be, right? That when you are uh, with a partner, a significant person in your life, and you're thinking about sharing your life with that person, I think one of the most important conversations that you can have center around how you serve Christ, how you can, how you want to, what you will. That conversation it needs to be more than the house that you ultimately want to buy, the school places that you want to send your kids, the career paths that you want to have. But as you think about the health and the strength, the vitality and direction of your relationship, it must start from a, a conversation around that. And this is so important because it sets a tone and a trajectory for the relationship. Right? And the last thing that I'll talk about before you guys break off into groups is this. Um, and I don't mean this to single you out, single folks. But I do say that, that if you're at a space right now where you don't have a husband or a wife or kids, what I want to say is absolutely take advantage of this time. I mean, facts are facts, reality is reality. Marriage and parenting requires time, effort, energy, money, and all of the rest. Um, I can't pick up and go to the other side of the world and lead a team on a mission trip as I did on the drop of a dime when I was in my mid-20s. As I can't do that right now. I, I have respond. I got to take children to school in the morning. They have to be fed something. There are things that need to happen that Jenny can't do by herself. And there are restrictions that I have. I, I can't be at church until midnight like I was on Friday nights before. There are certain restrictions that I have, and those aren't bad things. It's just reality. And so I'm not talking about good or bad right now. I'm just saying reality is reality. And what I want to say, according to the, the eyes of Paul, is there are moments where if a person has a responsibility to a spouse or children, that he or she is thinking about and I'll say it in his words, the things of the world. 
And I don't think that's designated as worldly or secular or bad. What he's trying to say is, he's saying that there are things that you can think of that are heavenly minded and that you can think of things that originate and end in the world. And if you have a partner or kids in your life that you are forced to think about quote-unquote worldly things. And if you are free from that, he's saying that you are at a greater advantage to securing undistracted devotion to the Lord. And I kind of leave that with you tonight to think about. To think about your relationship, your marriage relationship, or where you're at in your thought life, in your single life. And I'll finish with a quote from Francis Chan, kind of where I started. Um, He was told this many times in his life. And he says this, Those who are most ready for marriage are those who need it the least. Just kind of think about that for a second. There are moments in life and stages in life where we... We feel like we need something, right? We need to be in a relationship. We need to have this. We need to be there. Um, But when a person is secure and devoted to the things of Christ, this person has become most ready to actually enter into a marriage relationship and parent some children. I hope that can kind of guide some of your thoughts tonight as you gather in your small groups. And I want to, I know we started late, so I want to give you the most time that you can. I'll stop here. I'm going to pick up a lot tomorrow, and um, I'll I'll finish it off on Sunday. Um, But I hope in your small groups you can really open yourself up. Kind of share where you guys are at in relationships with one another. They're all gender-based, and so um, hopefully you guys can feel safe in that environment. And I really hope that you can take advantage of this time, that it would really be impactful for you. Amen? Amen. Let me close in prayer.